Welcome to Season 6 of the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. I'm Gary. And I'm Sandra. And together, we are the Cocktail Lovers. We've been exploring the cocktail world for 15 years, sharing what we discover in our print and digital magazine, on our website, and all kinds of fun places. But this is where we're talking about all things cocktail. We're talking about the recipes, products, books, bars and people. So let's find out what's in this week's episode. Welcome to episode six, season six of the Cocktail Lovers podcast. Why mention the numbers? Well, there's something of a numbers theme this week. Our two product reviews taking Brugal 1888 from the Dominican Republic and from Wales, Abba Falls Single Malt Whiskey. Our book is Signature Cocktails by Amanda Schuster, who shares the stories of some 200 drinks. As for bars, we're taking you to the City of Canals, not one, but seven very individual Venice venues. Finally, our very special guest is Matt Arnold, officially the best bartender in Great Britain and the number two in the world. But first, we are the cocktail lovers, so let's make ourselves a cocktail. Okay, so you know what time it is now. What season are we in? Time, season, we are in autumn. We are in autumn, but more importantly than that, it's Scorpio season. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So that is the birth month of some of the most fabulous people I know, including myself. I was was just about to say, (laughs) it's coming up to someone's birthday. Far be it from me to big myself up, but actually... Sharing my birthday, I've got so many people, so many amazing people, including Ivy Mix, lots of different guests that we've had and people that we've yet to have. But in order to do that, I am going to make us a scorpion cocktail. Right. I've never heard of that. <laughs> well, it is a tiki cocktail. Um, there's lots of variations that if looking through the recipes, there's some with gold rum, there's some with all of these different spirits in. But I've gone for Simon Difford's version because this one is more simple, I would say. Yeah. Um, it's also you can serve it in, you can do it in sim- single serves rather then there's also a scorpion bowl version of this mm. this recipe <laughs> that's and, for another time yeah but it is something it's a real tiki drink sharing drink served in a ceramic bowl and everyone has their own straws and they drink from this bowl basically wow. okay. but we're going for the scorpion <laughs> cocktail yeah. so that is 45 mils per serve of gold rum yeah 22.5 25 if you want or 20 (laughs) of cognac or you could use pisco if you Mm -hmm. want to twist it up a little bit 60 mils of freshly squeezed orange juice 30 mils of freshly squeezed lemon juice and 15 mils of orgeat, which is a lovely almond syrup so i'm just talking about these things because they're actually all in the blender over with some crushed ice. So, you yeah. know, you never do any blended cocktails. No, you haven't done <laughs> no, I've never done a single one. <laughs> well, so, I'm going yeah. to. So I'm just going to take right. this off, 
dash into the other part of our studio room and I'm going to whisk on the blender. Right. So can you please entertain yeah, our listener? It, well, as you say, I've never done a blended one, but this is, I don't know how many, you've done a few. I think this might be your third or even more. So I can now vouch for the fact that Sandra has gone into the kitchen area and I'm standing by, there it goes. There goes the blender. So... Everything that you mentioned earlier, Sandra, is in there. Lots of ice whizzing it up. I can see it's looking good. And here she comes back with a jug full of goodness. Here we are. So mm. we've got some Collins glasses. You have. So oh. in case that you couldn't hear that, it's going into Collins glasses. It's got a nice head on it. Mm, it's lovely, mm. frothy, mm. lemony, bubbly, oh. gorgeous. Give us a little lift in this autumn weather, yes. I think. A bit of tiki sunshine in, yes. in the autumn. Scorpio Why not? Scorpio magic, I would say. <laughs> Scorpio <laughs> magic with a scorpion. Right. Gimme. Thank you very so much. So we're garnishing that with um, orange twist and right. a little bit of mint. And that's it. Looking it gorgeous. Beautiful. If you want to add umbrellas, Cheers. if you want to add yeah. any tiki adornment you want to, that's up to you. Golly. It looks Golly like it's going to be way. light and refreshing. <laughs> but it's got a sting in the tail. It has. Very fruity, alcoholic, beautiful scorpion cocktail. Let's get on with the show. Right, I'm taking you over to Wales now. Oh, okay. And, and more specifically, I'm taking you to a small village near Abba Falls Waterfall mm-hmm. for Abba Falls Single Malt Whiskey. Welsh it, whiskey, nice. A Welsh whiskey, yeah. And it's, I don't know too much about the background on this, but I know it's only one of four distilleries in Wales. And I think it's the first in North Wales for about 100 years or something like that. So I think it's a relatively new ish distillery mm. and they say they work a lot with local farmers which is all always good to hear so there's sort of lots of authentic welsh malted barley as well as authentic welsh water okay well, welsh wales yeah and i suppose if you're right next door to a waterfall it'd be rude not to use the well water, it would be really, damn stupid <laughs> <laughs> so as i say it's a single they have a number of expressions but we've got the single malt and they use uh Oak, American oak bourbon cask, uh, Spanish sherry cask for their finish. So it, let me just say a little bit about the bottle. Actually, I'll pass this. Over. It looks very heavy, actually. It's chunky. Yeah, but chunky. in a good way. It's got a nice, well, how would you describe oh, that? It's sort God, of like it an is. embossing on the glass. Yes, yes. Nice sort of Celtic, I guess. Yeah, uh, it is very much a Celtic yeah. symbol embossed into the glass. And then on top of that, you have this um, beautiful, I would say, orangey label. Really nicely designed. Not too over the top. No. But very dutiful i would say it's, yeah. it's really yeah lovely it, i love the weight of it, this it this look, bottle as you say sort of weighty chunky mm. so yeah it's got a nice heavy base on it so let's get it open let's get the cork out yeah oops let's get to the heart of the matter <laughs> as you say all right so it's interesting a welsh whiskey definitely not had one of these before so it's always good to have a first, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So you don't know when the company was... No, I, I tried to find out, but I just mm. get the feeling, because they talk about the distillery having formerly been a warehouse and all sorts of other buildings. So it kind of sounds like 
they've not been there that long. Obviously, long enough to make, make whiskey. whiskey. Yeah. Um, I really like that. It's quite light, actually, but mm. not in a way that it means that it's insipid. It just means that it's not that slap around the face that some people get frightened of with whiskey. No. This is really easy um, whiskey to drink neat, I would say. Very approachable. Yeah. Not taking anything away from it by saying it's light or it's approachable. I think that that really makes it quite appealing in some yeah, ways. I, I agree. I agree. I think it's very drinkable. Mm. I mean, this would make this would make a lovely long drink, wouldn't it? That's yeah. With, just with nice and fresh. a little bit of soda. Yeah. Um, they do have a couple of, interestingly, for a single malt, they do have a couple of cocktail recommendations, mm. which is nice. One is a uh, their take on a Manhattan and they, you know, it's classic Manhattan was uh, sweet uh, vermouth. And in this case, the, the Aberfalls single more, but also a little bit of sherry. So I guess it picks mm. up on because there are some sherry notes, you know, yeah, there are. a sherry cask finish and that. And they also have an old fashioned with black tea syrup. But I really like that. As I said, <clears> it's, it's not got a very long finish, but it has got a nice warming glow yes. finish to it. I, I really like it. I love the fact that it is very fresh and very consumer friendly put it yeah. that way yeah, I, yeah. I just really i'm enjoying that very much so on to the other stuff how much is it, it and is, i should have actually said it's 40 percent abv mm. and it retails at well just 27 pounds wow that's for amazing the 70cl bottle which i think is well that's really, really good, good a for a single malt, really but good. also the the quality of that bottle and the taste i think that yeah. is a really really great yeah. um present yeah. and also the fact that it is a welsh whiskey i think that adds to that it gives it novelty a story, yes a story, yes yeah. but i i really enjoy that so what was it again so that is Aberfalls, and this is their single malt whiskey, and I think that's really rather nice. I agree. Well, I'm sticking with rum, actually, because mm. rum was the base of our beautiful Scorpion yes, cocktail. And I thought, because I'm in that kind of mood, <laughs> and it's also nearly my birthday, just to repeat <laughs> just, it in case you didn't hear coming it Coming up there. shortly, folks. Sandra's birthday. <laughs> anyway, I'm sticking with a rum, and it's called Brugal, and it's 1888. And the reason, I mean, there's lots of reasons. There's always some amazing rums out there. This one I haven't tried yet, still unopened, yeah. as it were. But I love the fact that this is from near about from where my parents are from. So this is actually from the Dominican Republic. Right. My parents are actually from Dominica. So some people think it's the same. It's not. Yeah. But I love the fact there's Dominica in there somewhere. Okay. So this um, Brugal, it started as a family business. Now, you, you're not sure how long your distillery was open, but this one, actually, the clue is on the bottle. Right. It's 1888. Uh-huh. And it was founded by... Ooh, there we go. Great pop there. <laughs> <laughs> Andre Brugal, who was actually Spanish by birth, but moved to the, he founded the company in the Dominican Republic. Right. And that's where it is today. Nowadays, there's this the fifth generation that are running the distillery. And the two of the Maestro Raniero's now, Jacile Villanova and Miguel Ripoll. Now, Jacille is the first female in the Dominican Republic as a master blender, ah, but also the first for the company. So that's great. That's so we'll a, that's give her a, important in itself. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So yeah. let's pour it out. I haven't asked you because we always do this where we pass the bottle on yeah. 
And I'll see. You've been holding on to it. Yes, I have. What, what do you? How do you well, describe I like it? it? It's got that. I never know that sort of netting effect. Yeah, that looks really sort of elegant and a little bit premium on it. And the bottle dis- design, I really like the the gold lettering. It feels. I don't know. You're not. You're obviously going to tell us a little bit about the pricing later, but it feels mm. quite premium. Okay. You know, it's got a nice look about it. It's chunky, and I think a bit like you said about the last one. You know, if you gave someone this as a gift. Mm. It looks like you're giving something special. Yeah. And also that netting, it does sort of feel like you've sort of caught something <laughs> in the sea. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a fishing I'm net almost, yeah. which is which is lovely. Okay, so right. I've poured out so uh, for you, neat measure, as we you. usually do. Not over ice. And on the nose, what would you say? Lovely honeyed aroma. Yeah, it's got um Try to think of the word. It's kind of got a, a sort of freshness about it on the nose, almost like a citrusy ness. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess very for me, it's more like Christmas. It's mm. like those lovely dried fruit cakes mm. and things that I, I remember my mum soaking raisins and and things yeah. in in rum yeah. overnight. Well, overnight she used to do it for the whole year. Just put all mm. these. F- dried fruits and just keep feeding it with with rum and Ooh. all sorts of what things. What was that for? Cake or pudding? For cake, cake, yeah. Wow. Christmas cake. Anyway, back to what's in the glass. Um, I get mm. exactly what you mean about that in that in that uh, the the dried fruit in there. Yes, yes. That's what's sort of coming through. Yeah, it's um it's really sippable, isn't it? It oh, is, I and so that. it it feels like also quite spicy in mm. that um you know cinnamon nutmeg mm. again Christmassy flavours. Oh. Yeah, I think one of the ones you want to roll it round mm. your, your mouth, don't you? Lovely it, honeyed. Mm. It is lovely, honey. So it's, no, it's really nice, actually. So they they pride themselves with all of the flavour. Well, eighty five percent of the flavour they say comes from the cask aging, which it does with mm. most spirits. Right. Let's be honest, dark spirits. But they use American oak ex bourbon cask and European oak sherry cask. So right. that richness, that sort of fruitiness, yeah. is all all in there. So. You said about the price. Um, so what do you think it would be? No, don't do that. Oh, okay. I know I'll be miles Well, <laughs> it's always quite interesting because you said, and, yeah. and I agree with you, it does it, look very looks, premium. And that was before I tasted it. Yeah. 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 And and with the taste, do you agree premium? Yeah, I, I think it feels like a pretty upmarket sort of Yeah, run. so actually it's a... a about forty pounds, which is yeah, really, really I, good. I'm I think. Kind of pleasantly surprised yeah, about that. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. again, like yours, it's forty percent ABV, and around uh, again, like yours, it's a really good gift, a well-priced yeah. gift, and something that rum lovers would really appreciate. Absolutely. So that is Brugal, eighteen eighty-eight, and approximately forty pounds. And you'll find details of it on our Instagram feed and our website and now for a cocktail hack from one of our experts my name is anna sebastian and i'm a hospitality consultant my cocktail hack is really really simple you know at the end of the day we're making cocktails you shouldn't have to invest a huge amount of money into buying fancy cocktail equipment unless you want to there's some great alternatives that you have in your home everything from utensils but for a cocktail shaker if you don't have one the best thing to do is whether it's a kilner jar or a jam jar you could use that as a cocktail shaker it does the same thing just make sure it's really really secured on top so it doesn't go everywhere but you could just put all of the ingredients in and shake it together with ice 
to chill it down and then pour it out into your glass and most importantly enjoy it So normally we only talk about one bar, but we were very happy and fortunate and lucky to find ourselves recently in Venice. Mm. And there's a lot of exciting things going on in that wonderful mm. city, bar-wise. Yeah, before we get onto that, maybe we should say that it was Venice Cocktail Week. It was, yeah. And it was an amazing week and a really great showcase for some of the delights that Venice has to offer. And it was all put together by this wonderful lady called Paola Mencarelli, who's done um, cocktail weeks in Florence before. She's done them in other places. She did one in Cortina, the yeah. ski resort last yeah. year, I think. But Venice is, this is the third Venice Cocktail yeah. Week. And each year it just gets better and better, I yeah. think. As you say, it's a brilliant showcase for what's going on in the city. Mm. And there is a lot going yeah. on. Yeah. Absolutely. So we we went, we were part of some media that were invited out, very fortunate yeah. indeed, and also just to get to experience these amazing bars. So do you yeah. want to Yeah, kick we off? went on a little bit of a safari over a couple of days, didn't we? <laughs> Rude you know, not to, around, I'd say. Around this beautiful city, mm. did a lot of walking, one or two river taxis and river <laughs> One <buses>. or two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's part of the joy of that. Yes, exactly. City. So where should we start? Should we start with Arts Bar? Yes. Arts Bar. So in, as in a lot of places, it's something that's hard to believe. It was once some, somebody lived there. But it's now a, you know, it was once a house or a palace. Mm, palazzo. Uh, palazzo, record, thank yes. you. Um, it is now within the St. Regis Hotel, a, a very beautiful Gorgeous, grand hotel. Yes, yes. But very arty. The whole ho- hotel is very arty. And by the name, the art spot is very arty. Mm. Lo- lots of lovely artwork there. Beautiful terrace, which we sat on briefly to watch the sun go down. And the drinks, the menu is inspired by artists. Mm. So, for instance, so there's there's on the menu, you get a picture of a particular piece of art. Not all Italian art, by the way. And then how they've interpreted it as a drink. So you've got Salvador Dali on there. You've got Banksy mm. on there. So actually, let's talk about the, the Dali-inspired one, because we had that. It's called the Negroni Desire. And so it's one of his paintings where he always liked melting things. So there's a, a sort of melting apple, I think it was. So they've introduced Calvados into the Negroni. Um, and it's not just a gimmick. It really added another mm, dimension to lovely it. Lovely layer. And it's really nice having that thing of referencing art to drinks because drinks are art anyway but I think it's lovely when it all comes together like that and a lot of thought goes into their entire menu and the drinks making process yeah I think you're right to call it arty in that sense because they've taken inspiration the way they make the drinks and particularly the way they serve which just very quickly the other drink we had was the G&T with a view which was inspired by Canaletto Mm, and that one they've kind of taken a little bit of the fact yeah he's Italian artist but he visited London so that's why they've introduced gin so it's a a G&T but with a lot of spice going on and also they as you say the serves there's all sorts of nice touches on the glass where the garnish so they all look like works of art and this was very very tasty as well Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then on to, where shall we say, next one. Yeah. If we're doing A's, <laughs> a, we should do Aman, which is another, oh, my God, so gorgeous as a palazzo. In fact, the family still live there in part Parts of this of hotel. It, yeah. But the, the hotel itself is absolutely Stunning. It, it, it really... There are no words to describe how beautiful this building <laughs> Apart is. Apart from stunning. You no. Know, I... It really is. Every Everywhere you look, it's just like a visual treat, isn't it? Yeah. And the bar is no exception. We were there for an event, actually, but we the last time we went, we actually drank in the bar and that was great we had a, a martini i think there we did i think the thing to say about aman in terms of drinks is it's the sort of place because it's so drop dead gorgeous mm. and you just want to drink classic drinks yes in there. Um, yes so we did have martinis we did have negronis and then you sit back and you just look at things like a mural on the ceiling oh my like god in a every as know. i say every single corner is yeah. just fantastic so that is another highly highly recommended yeah. place and not just for the views but but also for the drinks as well. Absolutely. So, okay, so, so that's, Amar, that's that's our A's. Um, <laughs> then on to E for experimental. Experimental cocktail bar. Yeah. So that is a canal ride away, which is yeah. lovely. It and makes you feel a bit like James Bond because you arrive. Well, it made you feel like <laughs> <laughs> So many things I hope make me feel. Um, but, you know, you arrive by water taxi and you, you get off and then you walk about sort of. 20 seconds from your water taxi and you walk in. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is very different to Amman and also Arts Bar. It's very much more modern. Yeah, it's an the old bar building, itself. they've done some very yes, sensitive, really, really good. Touches. Very creative, lovely space. It's bright. It's brilliant. It's it's more um, rocky. Not rocky, but, you know, it's, it's a just... A little bit funkier. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. In a cool, and, you, and we were in there sort of, what, I don't know, mid-evening, something like that, and the doors open out onto the... Yeah. And you can watch people... Be Beautiful by, space. The water, you yeah. can stand outside if you're that way inclined. You know, it's quite a small, intimate bar. Yeah, but it works really, yeah. really well. And their drinks, they're, you know, it's a smallish menu. And, you know, some of them are familiar, but everything has got a twist on it. It's experimental, after it's all. It's experimental. And mm. we had one of the drinks we had. We had the Experience One, which is vodka, elderflower, basil, and lemongrass. And that's, I think, a, a really souped-up sour. Very, mm. very, very herbal, very herbaceous, very tasty. And we also had the experimental punch number two, which is Mitch's sour mash, experimental B and B sauce, uh, machino dry, and peanut butter. Though so that was thick, rich. When I say thick, I mean I mean like thick, unctuous, unctuous. like mouthful. Is what mm. I meant to say. It's savoury. It's rich. It's very tasty. So, you know. Cl- Sort of familiar, but taken off in mm. an experimental direction. Absolutely. Next, we are going to Gritty Palace, which is one of those very um, kind of a traditional, but so beautiful, um, beautiful bar they've got there. If you are so inclined, do sit out on the terrace yeah. and watch the, the sunset. It's so beautiful because you've got all the traditional Venice scenery going on you've got the gondoliers you've got all of this amazing it, it does feel like you're in a in a picture doesn't yeah, it really? in, a, in a movie yeah <laughs> and and the service is fabulous it's very five star yeah. very gracious service again we had martinis it's one of those where you want to stick yeah. to the classics also, really. also it's worth saying being, you know it's, it's no secret that we are both fond of a martini <laughs> and when you open up the menu and you see that there is a section called the martini 
martini menu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which includes, <laughs> count them, 15 martinis. You know, it was like, hello. Yeah, it was <laughs> so, perfect. So we, we managed to restrain ourselves to just two from the choices. But we went for ones that we perhaps wouldn't normally have gone for. So I went for something which I've never heard of before, um, called a Chicago 51. And that was gin, dry vermouth, Cointreau. And I love a little dash of Cointreau mm. in my cocktails. And an olive stuffed with anchovies, which, and I kind of looked at it and I thought, Cointreau in a martini and an anchovy stuffed olive, will that work? Yes, it did. Mm. It gave it a really sort of savoury twist when you nibbled on the olive and then mm. had a little sip of the do cocktail. Do you remember what I had? I'm I do, sure. actually. Good. You had a perfect martini. Which, which, and I think it was actually. It was half and half sweet and dry vermouth mm. with your gin. Ah, that's yeah. it. It's yeah. all coming back to yeah. me now, as they say in the song. So, so it's worth going there for the service, the view, and to and, work and your way also through those it was one of, one of those places that um, the legendary drinker Ernest Hemingway spent a lot of time there. <laughs> um, he was finishing writing across the river and into the trees. One of the books, and we ah. had during um, one of the events because there were many events that took place during um, Venice Cocktail Week and we went on this walking tour of where Ernest Hemingway drank and and, and different things like that. So it's one of those that you need to have on your list. So from Gritty, we go to Harry's. Harry's, yeah. Mm. Now, this is something I think, you know, if you're in Venice, you should go there. I hate the word iconic, but sometimes you have to use it. It's iconic. You have to use that word sometimes Mm. because it's been open how long? Well, it was opened in the 1930s and it feels like that, you know. It's not not flash. It's not not like Gritty that has all or the Iman or any of these with all the fancy trappings. It's very... Of a time, yeah. isn't it? And also, most of the people that go there, I don't know if you noticed, they only kind of went in for one drink. Yeah. It's it's sort of that sort of tick list on um, tourists. I would say it's much yeah, more touristy. No, it's, absolutely. Yeah, it's a tiny little bar, isn't it? But as you say, it looks great. It's got all the old wood panelling, mm. old pictures from yesterday. The floor staff are all in lovely white jackets. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I've got to say one thing, though, yeah. because I did order a martini, as did you. But it was a really hot afternoon. And then this glass came in front of us, beautifully icy, but it was in a sort of small, I would say, old-fashioned. Yeah, but it was a sort of old-fashioned glass. And it was plonked in front of me. And I thought, oh, great, some water. And luckily, (laughs) I only took a tiny sip because actually that was the martini. There was no sort of warning that it came like that. No garnish, no sort of, you know, martini glass. It does come in a tumbler. So that's all I'm going to say. Be warned if you go and you're just, and you're gasping for some water. (laughs) Don't take a full gulp. Luckily, I did. It was was a nice little. It was lovely. It was really good. Yeah, most people go for the Bellini. That's what it's famous for. But the Martini was amazing. Where do we go now? So... H-H-M-N-H-O-P-O. So we go to Osteria in Rustiki, which is a really... It's very, very... I love this place, actually, because it's not... I wouldn't say it's a cocktail bar. It is... It's a destination. It is what it is. It's a family-run Osteria. Fifth generation. Yeah, it's Mm. so lovely. And uh, Giovanni, the actual proprietor now, as he's taken over the family business, and he runs it with aplomb. He's a real spirits fan, wine geek, 
actually he cures a lot of meats on the premises. Mm. He's got some of the most amazing bottles, beautiful wines, beautiful spirits, and he's always conjuring up some kind of wizardry, isn't he? Yeah, sort of, yeah. look, I've made a new Negroni. Look, I've, yeah. I've foraged for some truffles. Try my truffle martini, yeah, yeah. you know. it's Honestly, you must try and find it because it is a real lovely experience. Yeah, because it is a little <clears throat> bit hard to find, but absolutely, absolutely put that effort in. Yeah. It's down a little alleyway. And once you you come out onto a big courtyard where one night we were there, they had some live, live music, music outside. Yeah. And it spills out outside. Also, I would say the other thing about Giovanni, he's he's really is such a lovely gentleman. Oh, he's, yeah, he's, he's amazing. He's a perfect host. Yes, yeah. look out for him and tell him that we sent you. Mm. Then we go to Nalinsky's, which is a yeah. new place for us. Yeah. We love you, you, We've this. actually gone out of alphabetical order, but... Oh, have we? <laughs> yeah, well, but, I'm rubbish yeah, at you numbers know, and you know, uh, What was our next enough. one? What should no, we have no, gone to? No, Nalinsky is fine. We'll go, <laughs> we'll go back in our dictionary to Nalinsky. And uh, the library bar at Nalinsky... Very nice. Yeah. Really, really lovely. Another, it's, it's relatively new. Again. Yes. I think this is, what, a year yeah. old or something like yeah. that? Maybe less or yeah. whatever, but really beautiful. Very. It reminds me of um, the Velvet Bar at Corinthia because it is all red velvet, very sort of very snuggly, sexy, very sexy. Yeah. And um, very different for, from most of the bars in Venice that we've visited. Mm. It's, it's, it's more of a corridor, but they've, they've done it so beautifully. Yeah. They've decorated it amazingly. The drinks are great. The service is good. There's a piano there as There's well. There's a piano. Yeah. And, you know, it's called the Library Bar with good reason because they've mm. got its wall-to-wall books all sorts of books, 4,000 apparently. 4,000, did you count them? Yes. And, um, <laughs> and they're all sorts of, and they line all the walls. And the bar itself is a real sort of stage. It's a real visual mm. um, focus, isn't it? Um, and it, it does feel like very, like you want to hunker down. Yeah, yeah, Sexy, yeah. you know, great date night, all of that. Beautiful. And um, the drinks we had, um, I had a San Polo. Is it Polo or Polo? Um, because a lot of the drinks are named after regions of Venice. And what I really liked about this is it's kind of basically a white Negroni, but it, I don't know if you remember it had this amazing serve where I don't know how you describe that thing. That it's like a wine decanter, but like a, oh, yes, a U-shaped. Yes. Yeah, and, and that is one that. of the, I'm trying to think of the brand, Riedel. They yeah. do these lovely teardrop wine decanters and that's how they serve that. It was yeah, and really they poured lovely. it into your sort of glass mm. over the rocks and then they leave it with you so you can just top it up mm. as you wish. So that was, and it was, as I say, a white Negroni, very, very tasty. So that's the library bar. And I think that is seven bars from Venice. Yes, it is. So, you know, we had an amazing time. Looking forward to going back next year because each year, as I say, it sort of elevates and the the, the cocktails on offer are great. They do have some signature cocktails that they do for Venice Cocktail Week. But actually, we went off piste and ordered some that we wanted to see what their real yeah, styles yeah. were. So for more details, look on the Venice Cocktail Week website and check out our Instagram feed for details. The latest issue of the Cocktail Lovers magazine is out now and it's all about tech. We're looking at the brands pushing boundaries in how drinks are produced, explaining drinks tech talk in plain English Picking the coolest equipment to up your mixing game at home. Asking, will the rise of artificial intelligence signal the end of human creativity in the cocktail world? And whether robots can replace humans behind the bar. Plus, a whole lot more. 
To get your print or digital copy of The Cocktail Lovers magazine, see thecocktaillovers.com slash magazine. A very new book this week um, arrived in the last few weeks, I think, mm-hmm. and it is called Signature Cocktails by Amanda Schuster, and it's 200 iconic cocktails from drinks history. So... Blimey, that's 200. a lot of work, eh? <laughs> 200. Um, and they, they do point out that she's, it, you know, she's put it all together. She's a new Brooklyn-based drinks writer, but she has uh, collaborated with sort of different drinks experts around the world. So to pull in knowledge from their mm. regions. And this is, well, let me hand it over to you, but I think it feels in a beautiful way, very much like a reference book. Yeah, yeah and, and, and that, that, was one of, that was one of the things that really stuck out for me. It reminds me of a Collins dictionary. I think that there's that, um, the colouring of it. The blue and the red. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So if you have that on the library, apart from the little mixing spoon, yeah. gold, very clever. I love that design of the mixing spoon down the spine, really yeah. beautiful gold um, mixing spoon. But if you put this in with our Collins Dictionary, it, it, it looks part of the family, yeah. doesn't well, it? Well, I know it's... which one I'd rather reach for. <laughs> Me <Yeah>. too. <laughs> Me too. And this is lovely, actually, isn't it? Yeah. I... A page per cocktail. Yeah, and it's very, as I say, it is reference booking as much as, as you say, each cocktail has one page of copy and a beautiful photograph. Mm. And I didn't realise this at first, but I did eventually. It's in chronological order. So it's 200 cocktails and it actually goes back apparently uh, the first cocktail in there, if, if, although you probably wouldn't call it a cocktail, oh. is from nearly 500 years ago. Oh, okay. So That's it's a, a date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So wow. it it starts literally with um, a drink from Scotland. Oh, my God. So the Scotland. first one. If you haven't looked at it, yes, you've got it, you it might is say the, 1475, the yeah. Athol Bros. Yeah, so probably, you know, before the Bloody term hell. cocktail was coined. But, yeah. Um, and I, know, I like the way it's broken down. So each drink. That's lovely. Yeah, where, uh, where possible, it sort of says who created it, mm. where it was created, the type of glassware, which we always like, mm. um, and then a little bit of background story. So as I say, it starts with that and it comes right up to date with, let me just jump like a whodunit. I'm jumping <laughs> to the very last page. And the last cocktail is called a faden 100 so that is in honor of faden who are the publishers oh, but, and it's but been, who created it it's been created by um agostino peroni ah. so he did it to celebrate their hundredth year wow. anniversary of the publishing house so you've got it's a nice way to top and tail mm. this but throughout it's one of those books i like saying you know you can dip in anywhere or you could just sort of work your way through it so uh, you know it's got every, it's got penicillins in there it's got espresso martinis which you might know but then it's got things you know a rhubarb and custard a juju negroni you know so there's lots of things that you will know but lots you won't know mm. but her definition of a signature cocktail is something that is bespoke and it expresses the nature of the time the person or the place for which it was created. So it's oh, a I love nice, that. nice mm. really great reference book. And looking at it, I think they're, they're meant to be made at home. Certainly the, the few I've glanced at, I, I, you know, are ones you could make at home. So I think we're talking about presents and it's coming up to that season. Yes, so again, that's a great one. this would be a great present. So that is Signature Cocktails by Amanda Schuster, uh, published by Faden. And it's available for, a, what I think is a good price, twenty four seventy five. Blimey, we're bringing on the bargains. We are. Really, really good. 
We've had the honour of judging many a bartender in cocktail competitions over the years, but Matt Arnold has been one of our faves. He's charming, down-to-earth, quick, clever and extremely inspiring. And while his talent could have seen him zone in on his personal goals, his main mission has been to put Birmingham front and centre of the global cocktail scene. And he's done it. First with Passing Fancies, the bar he co-founded with Tommy Matthews and Eve Green. In less than a year of opening, they've picked up Best Bar in the Midlands and East Anglia, Best New Bar at the Class Bar Awards, and been nominated for Best New International Bar at Tales of the Cocktail in New Orleans. Second, Matt was the well-deserved winner of the prestigious World Class GB competition, which saw him go on to represent Great Britain at the World Class Global Finals in Sao Paulo. His clever ways with balancing flavour and interpreting the set briefs saw him come in at an impressive second place out of more than 50 talented competitors around the world. Little wonder why all eyes are on Matt, Passing Fancies and the Birmingham Bar Contingent and why we couldn't wait to catch up with him to hear about his outstanding year. Matt, welcome to the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. Thanks for having me. Isn't this all all very exciting? (laughs) It's so good to see you again. It's been a little while, so it's just nice to catch up. Indeed. Welcome. Let's start by saying it has been quite a year for you and your bar. But before we hear about that, can we go back to the beginning and tell us a little bit about you and how and why did bartending enter the equation? Yeah, I mean... Honestly, I think no one as a kid really, really wants to grow up and be a bartender. I mean, when I was a kid, I wanted to be, a, I wanted to be an ice cream man. And then I kind of just fell into this whole hospitality gig where I, I, I went through school, did quite well at school, got into my first choice unis, doing economics there. Uh, and I just got a bar job to, to fund that whole ordeal. And then... I started to realize that I really enjoyed it. So instead of spending 40 hours at university and 20 hours at the bar, that very quickly flipped to spending 40 hours in the bar. And probably 20 hours is pushing it quite generously of of the time that I spent at uni by the end. But I just kind of chose to follow follow what I wanted to do a little bit. And I, I remember I rang my nan and I was like, nan, I know I've worked so hard uh, to try and become a banker, but I want to be a bartender. And I think she she actually called me something that rhymes with the profession that I wanted to be. Um, but, but anyway, she she was very supportive, never, nevertheless. And I think I think like looking kind of how I've grown up, it's always been about meeting people, talking to people. So I think that the the whole idea of sitting behind a an office chair wouldn't wouldn't have lasted very long either way. I just think I kind of took a big liking to the fact of how sociable and almost how much of a rabbit hole bartending can be and how much you can consistently put into it and get out of it. I think that's what really encapsulated what I, what I wanted to do. Tell us about some of the places that you worked actually in Birmingham, just to, to build it up a little bit. Yeah, so my first ever bar job was a it was like a pub 
next to a like a concert arena by the airport and I, I was only working there because my my ex at the time worked downstairs and that that was the whole thing and i remember getting this trial shift being like oh well how hard is it to pour a pint so I jumped on and they were like four man deep. And it's like, oh yeah, just serve and we'll take the payments. I was like, oh, okay. So my first order was honestly a pint of Guinness. And I I remember just like one pour in this pint of Guinness. So like not letting it settle, just literally just putting it down. And they must have looked at me and gone, what is this guy doing? And then, and then from there, uh, I moved to a gin bar um in sort of coalfield which is kind of like on the outskirts it's the nice part of birmingham if if people believe that that's a fact um <laughs> and that's where i met uh my bar manager at the time now charlie who who kind of showed me the ropes taught me how to hold a shaker uh and that's where i really discovered the passion for it I, it's funny in my wallet now because i turned up this very green bartender super passionate with a polaroid camera to take photos of all the cocktails and put them in a little journal and i've still got one of those like polaroids in my wallet now almost as like a like a constant reminder of you know like we weren't always able to talk about what we know about <laughs> like uh, uh, and then from there, keeping I mean, it real yeah, um, and and the Polaroid that's in this wallet, it's the blurriest Polaroid. I don't even know what I was doing. Like, I can't make drinks. I can't take photos. I, I should have gave up there and then. But then moved into the city, um, worked for a chain. I kind of did, explored that as much as I could. They they taught me kind of like volume bartending. So you classic like free pouring and your foundations of your classic cocktails and stuff. And then I moved into the into the city with the idea of working at the Edgebaston. And the Edgebaston was kind of Birmingham's only only flagship bar that, that got recognized. I think it peaked at like twenty-six or, or something on the on the top fifty. And so that was kind of the the aim. And they they had all the kit like the the rotovaps and the centrifuge, pretty much before they were they were a cool thing. So me being a bit of a nerd, I was like, oh, my God, I want to go there. I want to learn. Uh, and when, when I finally got there, I was there for about probably about 18 months. Uh, and just just before the Edge Bastards started to decline, I, I left to open a, a restaurant um, with some really talented people. And then COVID hit. And then by the, by the end of COVID and almost off the back of being really fed up, <coughs> almost off the back of being really fed up with a lot of people that I, I, I'd been working for that kind of didn't really appreciate the, the conditions that are hospitable to hospitality staff. Um, we were like, okay, we'll like, we're in a position where we can, we can try and change this and do it ourselves. And then we spent about seven months building the, the brand of, of what fancies is. And then we launched here and it's been, it's been a wild ride since, <laughs> to say the least. It really has. It's been incredible. What a year you've had. We'll get onto that a bit. But before we start with all of that, you're a huge exponent of Birmingham and its bars. Tell us why and what people should know about the Birmingham bar scene. Oh, so firstly, I think 
like Birmingham for me is like home through and through. And we, we, I think historically we have had a bit of a, a bad rap. Maybe it's the accent, like, who knows? But, <laughs> but what's not possibly? <laughs> what's so like encapsulating for me about the Birmingham bar scene is that it's completely different to any other city that I've been into. Not because, like, it it, it would be so false for me to be like, oh, we make the the best drinks and give the best hospitality, which very biasedly I think we do. But that's that's not what makes us so different. Like, we have this community that is genuinely so supportive. Like, I don't think you'd find another city where, for example, myself and Katie Rouse from Couch, we sit down and we do our admin days together. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like we, we're constantly, like, talking about not how do we push the, the, the venues that are at the front. It's like, how do we build the, the city itself? which I think is so different. A lot, everywhere else is this underlying competitiveness and almost like who's got the best feathers. Whereas for us, I really feel that, of course, there is like competitions and stuff that people do enter for, for personal matters and wanting to build their own reputation. But as a whole, I really feel like the, the consensus in Birmingham is just to support each other. And I think that I think that's so rare and so bloody beautiful that I think that's why we've got the city to where it is at the moment because there's some of the parts just just push us all forward. I mean, that's great to hear. It's really positive and passionate. And let, let's talk now a little bit about um, passing fancies. Um, you've only been open just over a year. Um, and you've already won Best Bar in the Midlands and East Angular, Best New Bar at the Class Bar Awards, and been nominated for the Best New International Bar at Towers of the Cocktail in New Orleans. So with all that in mind and the last year, what do you put down your success to? Honestly, it would be wrong of me to sit here and be like, this is exactly the the step-by-step thing of how we've been accredited with all this and if anyone listening wanted to open with kind of the 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 flames that we we feel like we have done i don't it, it's not one thing that you can just kind of pinpoint down i really feel that i feel like it's been it's been a, like a combination of many things the the team that we've got is is like proper proper like together our whole concept is very much you walk in, it's made to feel like that homely kitchen party and that wouldn't work without the team kind of all welcoming you into their home. So that that, that like level of relationship that, that the guys have between each other, is it, it's not something you can kind of teach. And I think that really came into our hiring process as well. It was like, Everyone always says we don't hire an experience, we hire a personality. And that's never been more true for this venue because what's a bigger factor than can you make a perfectly balanced daiquiri is actually are you, are you, are you going to get on with the team? Are you going to talk to guests and make them feel like you really want them there? 
And are you genuinely gonna gonna back the the concept that we have and have this space as your home and welcome whoever it is into it? I think that's that's been a big thing in building kind of people's reception of us. So whenever we've had people come down from or up from other cities, it's it's not like it's a song and dance to try and impress them. It's just a through and through kind of hospitality mindset that it doesn't matter who you are, could be a white blazer bartender or a dive bar like bartender for us you you step through these doors and and you're 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 part of it and i think that's been that's been really important i also think birmingham's kind of been on the on the back foot for a while like when you when you look in between uh like scotland and london uh close sorry when you look in between like Scotland and London, that you get Manchester, you get Cardiff, but Birmingham's never really had like the the big big kick behind it. And we are technically the second city, and I think we should have this drinking scene that does represent itself in the best way. So the the timing of us opening, I think, has filled that well, what's going on in the Midlands? And I think that's that's really benefited benefited us because the eyes are slowly coming off London and Edinburgh, and we're slowly looking inwards, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and you're a big part of that, Matt. So congratulations. So before we get on to more about you individually for this year, can you just describe the look and feel and the sort of ethos and drinks that people can expect at Passing Fancies? I know there's a Ribena-centred one. Tell tell me about that yeah, as okay. well. So the so we we are located in an old custard factory. So Bird's Custard used to be made where we are. And we're on the ground floor of this like beautifully industrial and slightly gentrified building where three of our four walls are glass and the centerpiece of our homely feeling venue is the bar top. And it's 14 seats where you're sat next to people that you you're that you don't really know and you're you're made to feel like you're at the best kitchen party in the country almost in the style of like a a breakfast bar or a tapenaki and everything's all one level so you can see what the bartenders are doing there's none of this smoke and mirrors dive bar drinks that are made behind a curtain there is nowhere to hide when we have guests with us and i think that really draws them into what we do. And then the, the rest of the room, like we, the, the venue that we're in, it's, it's been so many things previously. It's been a furniture shop. It's been a barber's. It's been a computer repair shop. It was a car park at one point. Like you, you can really kind of feel that it is rustically charming. And that's what kind of adds to, 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 to the whole atmosphere of it. But the the drinks presentation, we we did have a like a conversation at the start of like, do we want to be seasonal? And I think season seasonality, especially in drinks, is such a buzzword at the moment. And to be seasonal, it does put a lot of pressure on to be chopping and changing, and we like that. But when we were working with like our menu, 
we really moved away from seasonality and we started looking at just having fresh, uh, like a fresh approach to it. So every week we have a fruit market up at the top uh, by us and we go up there and that like dictates what our menu for that week is going to be. So some weeks we can go up there and we'll have the, the biggest Granny Smith apples, the best figs, all the berries you can imagine. And those weeks, like the week of those menus are quite easy to put together because we have all these techniques and, and, and we, we, we put drinks out to be like really bold in flavor, but quite minimal in aesthetic. However, other weeks we can go up there and we're like, okay, what are we doing with two celery sticks and a sweet potato? And then that's when the challenge really comes into it. And it's like, that, that's what really pushes the team every week to think super creatively and it also gives them a sense of pride when they're presenting a drink that at the start of the week they went up to the fruit markets and ha- like picked those raw ingredients, had to ideate it and then produce it all in the space of like two days. And it's it puts such a sense of like pride into the team. And I also don't think anywhere really does that kind of weekly menus like we do, which I think is really fun. And just last point on that, the, the way that, we build it here. It's not that we, it's not that it's like, okay, Charlie, the bar manager is working on one drink. Therefore he's doing blueberries. And at the end of it, that's his drink. It's not, we, we bring everything together. We ideate together. We build the drinks together. And then every drink that we put out has been tasted and tested by the whole team. So it's not like, Oh God, it's Matt Arnold's menu on passing fancies. It's not true. Honestly, at the moment, it's really not. It's the whole team. Like I, I, I kind of just sip it and say yes or no at this point. Like the, the, the guys behind it is like I'm so lucky to have them. They're sick. Yeah, that's fantastic. It gives everybody, as you say, a sense of ownership. And I, and I do want to hear about this Ribena drink that Sandra alluded to. Yeah, the Ribena is it's a drink that really shows who we are a little bit. So. In its process, it is quite technical. It uses enzymes to break down the blueberries. We put it through the centrifuge and and all, all the wanky bartending that you'd expect to go into a high-end drink. But we we sat down as uh, like as a team, me, Eve, and Charlie, and we were like, bloody hell, it's just Ribena. So <laughs> we just called it the adult Ribena, and it very quickly became like our, our bestseller. Like I'd say we've probably got like three signatures. It's our martini, the the white velvet, and the the adult ribena, and that all three of them kind of came out of nowhere. But it is that it is that technical process that we we laboriously pour into, but just prevent like presented without the fluff and the the ego that sometimes makes it onto a menu. Like drinks are meant to be fun. Hospitality is meant to be fun. And we work on this idea that as people come into the bar, 95% of them just want a good drink. 4%, 4% of them are, are, are going to ask maybe a few questions about it. It's only that 1% that's going to be like, okay, what kind of enzyme do you use to break down the fruit walls and the blueberries? It's like, it's not really a, a, a massive, especially in Birmingham. Like our drinking scene isn't, isn't that focused on technicality there's still that divide between what people consider chefs and bartenders to be in this city which which is really fun because that presents us with the challenge of how to 
how to tackle that. But here at Fancies, we want to be high-end and we want to be thought out and we want to be quality through and through. But we don't want to be presented in a way that is outdated or arrogant. And I think that's that's really at the heart of what what we love to do. Mm. I didn't ask before, Matt, what is the name? Where did that come from? Oh, so, Passing Fancies, it's a song. So it's a song that really talks about how things change and how one day you can really enjoy something, the next day you don't. And th- that really links to kind of how we build our menus. Like things do change, things come in and out. Like every week as the menu does change, we don't know what we're going to get. And that's part that's part of the, the enjoyment of it. So whether you're a, a passing fancies veteran or it's your first time at the bar, there's always going to be something week in, week out to try new, look forward to. And as, as things change and as we evolve, that links back to the whole idea that the, the song really preaches and what Passing Fancies says. Love it. So um, as well as all those accolades we, we talked about earlier for, for Passing Fancies, it's also been a very special year for you personally. So uh, could you share a few details about that for us? Yeah, I mean... Since June, it's been it's been crazy. Like the the week of June, the week that I won World Class GB was the like pretty much eight days after me and Eve got engaged as well. So I really feel like I properly peaked in life. Like you you win World Class GB and you get engaged in seven days. It's downhill from there. I don't care what anyone else says. Like, but it has just been carnage. The, the level of love and appreciation that not only I, like, I felt from, from the city, but also from like all, pretty much all the, the major bar cities in, in the UK, like reaching out and being like, this is, this is great. Like we, we back you all the way. It's been overwhelming at times because we're just Birmingham <laughs> and and that level of like eyes on us has, has felt like, okay, we, we've got something special here. We should run with it. But personally, I've always looked at like the winners of world class is like, wow, they're, they're really cool and they're rock stars and I want I want to be like them. And then when we've got here now, I don't think sometimes I'd, I'd, I, I, take enough time to look around and be like oh well now Birmingham's part of that and we've got this 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 footfall to to really run with it and and that's what's been the the biggest thing for me out of the whole the whole process has been just how much love this the the city's gave us from it because I don't know I, I almost didn't expect it yeah, you were amazing. And I've had the privilege of judging you at the World Class GB finals and you absolutely smashed it. What what did I mean you've you've gone into it a little bit, but what did me, winning mean to you? Because that wasn't the first time that you entered, was it? So tell us about that a bit. Yeah, so I've entered world class twice. Uh I made the finals in twenty twenty and then last year 
uh, 1GB. And the, the actual fact of winning, it is incredible. And that feeling is something that you, you can't really chase. Like I mentioned earlier about ringing my nan and dropping out and being a bartender, like my first ever cocktail competition, it was made out of her kitchen. And she must have looked at me thinking, what the bloody hell are we doing? We were making freshly squeezed Bramley apple juice and pear infused syrup at like 1am. And how do you explain to someone that was born in 1946 that you're going to shake these in two tins, present it like a TED talk, and then someone's going to tell you if you were good or not. She just wouldn't have got it. But the fact that she supported me no, anyway. Neither do I. I <laughs> the first thing I did is like when I won GB, is I, I, like, I ran to the bathroom as soon as the 3,000 handshakes were done and rang her. And I was like, no, nah, I did it. And honestly, that was probably the proudest moment of like my life because going from what we spoke about before to that moment, she actually got it and she'd, she'd come into fancies and she'd really saw the, the, the fruits of the labor that I couldn't explain to her before. Cause don't get me wrong. We, we can say, Oh, this is what I want to do. But until something's tangible and in front of you, like it, it's not easy to explain to those that, that don't really get it. Like if I went to my nan ages ago being like, Oh, I'm the head chef of a two star Michelin. She'd be like, wow, I'm so proud of you, son. If I said I'm the head bartender of one of the best bars in the UK, she'd be like, okay, but what are you going to do when you're older? <laughs> like, uh, so so that, that whole like tangible win and something to, to show to her what was, was the best moment for me. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's that's made me feel really emotional. That me Thank too. You. Yeah, <laughs> um, and the thing is, you know, you're talking. The, we're talking about world class GB and global final. So, how do you actually prepare for a competition of such magnitude as uh, as the global final of uh, world class? Yeah, I think honestly, I think I'm a little bit different to how other people prepare, just in the sense of. There's a lot. There's a lot of tips like, oh, don't write a script, don't try and memorize it. Like, practice, practice, practice. And honestly, I spend my, I spend like my week leading up to that moment, just learning everything word by word. I'll have scripts of whichever challenge it is, and I'll do it over and over and over until I've got that word for word. And I'm I'm very lucky that when I have that, I can then present it in a way that is quite natural rather than it coming out quite robotic. So I always prepare with two things. One, a good script. And two, I want to do something completely different. I don't want to step up there and present a a twist on a bee's knees or a milk punch or something like that. I always think, what is this brief saying? And then how can I how can I take that and run it to the hills? Like one of my favorite things, literally to this day I've ever done, is pretend to be the BBC and get in touch with Sandra for for her thoughts on building <laughs> the drink. Like it's that kind of like out, outside the box stuff that I just really love. You cheeky beggar. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I remember standing up there 
And as soon as they went, okay, your time's starting, my first thought wasn't my first sentence of the speech. It was like, oh, God, I've got to back it now. I wonder if she's going to tell me off. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. Well done. Well done. (laughs) And that kind of research and attention to detail really paid off because there was such a buzz about you and your drinks and your approach to the whole sort of every brief that you you undertook at that global final. So amazing. Now now that you've had time to breathe and process the whole experience, tell us about what it was like for you being in Sao Paulo in front of so many people and meeting so many people as well. All in all, I absolutely bloody loved it. It it like it was an experience and Sandra, you were on kind of team gb with us there it was it was this level of electricity that i just i've never felt that kind of buzz in my whole life and i don't mean buzz in a sense of like the adrenaline rush or how ecstatic i was when i did well or blah 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 it was more about being in that prep room with those talented bartenders and that level of electricity and energy in the air, it's, it's nothing that you can quantify until you're kind of in there. Like you, you, you see all the, the... The only thing I can really kind of ideate it to was being stood in the middle of like a Formula One pit stop where every, every moving part's going. And I just stood there and I, I like... I, I overly prepped by the time I was there, so I didn't really have any prep to do. I kind of just, I, I looked like I didn't really care. <laughs> stood, stood there you could a, take it all in. Yeah, stood there with a can of Coke, just watching everyone do everything. I bet you they thought, where's his stuff? But but I used half the world supply bubble wrap getting everything there, so I was very much prepared. Um, but just being in those rooms with those kinds of people, and it's very rare that you're surrounded by people that are as passionate about something very niche as you are like you can sit in other bars and you can kind of look look to the internet or instagram or or something but to actually be able to talk about the the minute things with 54 of the best bartenders in the world plus all the other incredible people there it, it it was just it's something I can't even quantify. Ah, oh, that's lovely. It's lo- lovely to hear. In, in a sense, you've set t- or touched on it there, and it, there must have been so many highlights throughout the time you were there, but could you pick out one or two for us that will stay with you forever? Honestly, I think for me, and what's a massive driving force for when I eventually do it again, is in that final when it was the last drink and I was serving a martini to Aga and all I heard was Eric Lorenz chanting it's coming home like he was watching the Man United Man City game I think <laughs> I think that's something that you don't really you don't really get out of the uh the Savoy cocktail book you know what I mean like <laughs> like I think that's that's very much one of them the other one was uh our last night personally where it was the day that uh, yourself and the, the rest of the, the team were leaving, and we were there for one more night, and we were sat on these plastic chairs 
drinking essentially a pint of Caprine with a Smirnoff ice. And we looked around and we were like, yeah, this is, this is what we've been waiting for. This like level of <laughs> and breathe. And I think it was real. Point, it was. And at that point we were, we were like this tight little family that really just wanted to, to just enjoy that moment. And I think that was really special. Oh, I love that. Nice. That will start with nice. me forever too. It was fantastic. Now, Matt Arnold, only 25 people, fantastic. But now that you're the best bartender in the UK and the second best in the world, official, how do you hope that will benefit you, the bar, and Birmingham? So on on a personal thing, I, I often struggle with a little bit of like imposter syndrome. I find it quite difficult to talk about myself in the in the sense of like really being proud of of what we've done um so even that like what we've done like really really proud of what i've done so going forward kind of having that accreditation i think it's gonna dilute that little bit of imposter syndrome to a point that that'll be quite beneficial for the bar on on the, on the back of that i really i really want to take pf uh global this year i want to start looking at getting it out there a bit more. And I think World Class really gives us the good foundation for that. Um, and then for Birmingham, if, if I'm being really honest, second's great, but I want Birmingham to have number one. So this year I'm, I'm working with the team to, to build the, build the program for, for this year. And then I think the year after I'm going to go back, I'm going to do it again. Second, isn't good enough for the city in my head. So world-class 2025, I want it to be that when I get into, if if I get into the top 100 of the UK, I want it to be like, okay, here we go. Because that's going to be the biggest nerve-wracking thing, right? Like imagine placing second in the world and then I've got to go through top 50. <laughs> and that, that, that's, uh, that, that's, that's going to be a new kind of pressure. Which, which I'm really looking forward to, but I, I want it back for the city. I, like, I really want Birmingham to have that, that you have to go there because of this on a global front. Listen, Matt, it's as Eric Laurent said, it's coming home. It's definitely coming home. And even 2025, that's then, this is now. So everybody should be heading down to Birmingham to Passing Fancies and all of the other great bars that you've got in the city. And until that, until the next world class, we'll see you at the bar at Passing Fancies very soon. Thank you so, so much. You're my son, my fantastic. Yeah, thank <laughs> Thanks, you, <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cocktail Lovers podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please tell your friends and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. For more details on the people, places and products mentioned today, head over to our website, thecocktaillovers.com.